Galatians chapter 4, page 1170. It's written by a man called Paul to a church in a place called Galatia. And we're going to read from verse 4 of chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. There's a charity poster I saw on the tube the other day uh, for what looks like a really good charity, and it had this phrase, nobody should have nobody, especially at Christmas. Nobody should have nobody, especially at Christmas. And they're right. Nobody should have nobody, especially at Christmas. There's something about Christmas, which is so much about family and relationships, that the idea of being alone at Christmas is somehow worse than the rest of the year. Christmas is about family for so many of us. And if you think that the Bible says Christmas is all about family, then you're absolutely right. It absolutely is. God thinks that nobody should have nobody Not especially at Christmas, but because of Christmas. Because because of what happened at Christmas, we can join God's family. That's what we're going to be thinking about. Because of what happened at Christmas, we can join God's family. I want you to imagine being outside a house. You're out in the cold winter, and you look in through the glass of the window into this warm, glowing room. And you can see that this house is full of love and life. And you want to be in there. You want to be in on on that family and what they have. Now, I want you to imagine in a way that this is God's house. You look in at the warmth, the life and love of the Father loving the Son perfectly forever. The warm glow of their constant goodness to each other. No family arguments. The Father and the Son, their love tied together by the Spirit. Impossible to tear them apart. One God in perfect relationship. And as you stand outside, you think, that's a family I want to get in on. I don't know if as a kid you ever went around to play at someone else's house. And you had this feeling that their family was just better than yours. You know, like their parents were cooler and they just seemed happier than you. Now, of course, the reason you were jealous and wanted to be in their family is because you were only there for a couple of hours and when you left, you, you, know, you didn't see all the chaos. But God's family is one where we look in and we really should want to be part of it. Now, if everyone peered through the window to see what all our relationships are like, I think we'd, we'd die of embarrassment. You know, I think of the arguments that I end up having in my household where I think, I don't know what we're arguing about, but I'm going to win this one. It's just kind of how it goes. And it's actually often family, the people closest to us, who we, we hurt the most. We feel the most pain in our relationships with. And then we stand outside the window of God's house 
And we look in on his relationships and he's got nothing to be embarrassed about. The love of God is so perfect, kind, honoring, faithful, one God, Father, Son, Spirit, always in this other-centered love. And as we peer in through the window, don't you want to be in on that family? Well, this afternoon, I want us to enjoy together God's big, generous family heart. Christmas is all about family. It's all about God's family and the fact that he doesn't want any of us standing on the outside looking in. God wants you to be in his family. And of course, the Christmas story starts with a family, but not Mary and Joseph. It starts in verse 4 with God the Father and his eternal Son. When the set time had fully come, God sent his Son. There was a date in God's calendar and it was Christmas Day. Perhaps we've grown up from counting down to Christmas. No, not not grown up from counting down to Christmas. Okay, still counting it down. God had a set time when he would make the move that would allow us to join his family. And when that time had come, he sent his son. So as we stand outside looking in on God's family, this is the first thing that God does. God opens the door. Christmas is God opening the door to his family. God sends his son. Which tells us something very important. We don't open the door. Christmas is God opening the door to us. God hasn't been spending history looking on at the world going, come on, when are these guys going to figure out how to open the door into my family? There was a day planned for God to do something. The day came when Jesus would be conceived and then he would be born. If you think that God is waiting for you to make the first move towards him, you haven't understood how this goes. Day after day, I think we can act like he's, he's waiting for us to do something. You know, until we read our Bibles, we're not connected to him. Until we clean up our lives, he's not interested. Do you see things primarily about you coming to God or God coming to you. When the set time had fully come, Phil went to God. Anne got serious about God. When the set time had come, Sally joined God's family. It's not how it goes. Yes, we make a response to God, but God isn't waiting for you to make the first move into his family. He's already made that move. You're 2,000 years too late. And you know what this is called? This is grace. Grace, God generously giving when we don't deserve it. We see God's grace from the moment of the incarnation. That's God the Son becoming a man. Where God didn't wait for humanity to prize open the door of heaven. Instead, out of love, he turned the handle and flung the door wide open and sent his Son into the world. See, at Christmas, we see God's gracious heart with flashing lights on it. He doesn't wait for your prayers. He doesn't wait for your actions. He makes the first move. God sent his son. So maybe you need to stop primarily seeing things in terms of you. What you do. Think first about this. God came to you. Christmas is the story of God's gracious, loving move towards us. And this is what happens next. The son steps outside. Have a look at verse 4. When the set time had fully come, 
God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. So it's saying that Christmas is God opening the door so we can join his family. So what does this eternal son of God do that can make that happen, that can get us into God's family? What does he do? He joins our family first. The son of God joins our family first. He is born of a woman. Hands up if you were born of a woman. All of us were born of a woman. And if, if Jesus were in this room, he'd go, me too. I was born of a woman. In order for us to join God's family, God joined our family. The Son of God took on human nature. The Son stepped down from heaven and took on all that it means to be human. Except he didn't sin. Think about it all. Jesus shared Mary's genetic human code. The Spirit spiraling it together to make a truly human DNA. You can tell I'm my parents' child because of physical attributes. I've got my mum's eyes. And character, I'm a lot like my dad in many ways. And if you'd seen Jesus, you'd gone, oh, Jesus, son of Mary. Yeah, I can see that. He looks kind of like her. He's got their characteristics. Jesus had eyes. He had a heart, lungs, muscle, bones, veins, hair, sweat. He tasted. He breathed and filled his lungs with fresh air. He could hurt himself. He was a carpenter. He probably bruised his thumbs all the time. He welled up with tears. He sobbed. He laughed. You see, if God was going to be able to take us into his family, he was going to have to come and get us, step out the door of heaven and join us to become truly, fully, mysteriously one of us, veiled in flesh, the Godhead seed. But why does Jesus have to join our human family before we can join his family? Why can't God God just say, hey, the door's wide open, come in and be my children? Well, we've got some family history with God. Humanity used to be part of God's family. We were made to be his children. Adam in Genesis was actually referred to as God's son. Not in the same way as the son of God, Jesus, but He was made as God's son. To be human, you see, is to be part of God's family. And yet we find ourselves on the outside of the house looking in. So what's gone wrong? Well, that's because Adam, he walked out on our father. Deciding to live life his way, he slammed the door of the family home in God's face. And all the human family have done exactly the same, including you and me. And are we just going to walk back in? Well, no, because we haven't changed. We can't just walk in as God's children when we still live like we want nothing to do with him. We were meant to be in God's family, but we walked out on him. But now we see God opening the door. The son stepping out and now becoming fully the human son Adam was meant to be. Jesus is the human child of God we're meant to be. The Son steps into our human existence, but unlike you and me, he aces being a human. He absolutely aces it. He aces human life like we never could. You see, on the one hand, Jesus was born of a woman so that he could be everything we are, just like us. Yet on the other hand, 
Jesus was born of a woman so that he could be everything we're not. Everything we should be, but we fail to be. We don't need, just need a savior who's like us. We need a savior who is nothing like us. Everything that we should be and have failed to be. Because as the divine human, Jesus isn't plagued with our sinful weakness. He has the divine perfection and power to be the human you and I fail to be every single day. Which leads to the second thing Paul says about the son stepping out the door. Jesus was born of a woman, born under the law. See, Jesus wasn't born as any human. If he had had a passport, it would have said that he was Jewish. He was born into a Jewish family. Why is that so important? Well, it's all to do with our big question of how can you be in God's family? God had given the Jewish people a way of relating to him, the law. And the law held out this offer which it didn't have the power to help us fulfill. The law said, if you keep all these commandments, you will live by them. Look over to chapter 3, verse 12, on the same page. 3.12. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. If you do everything in the law, you will be acceptable in God's family. But Paul says that God was teaching the world something through the Jewish law. God was showing to us that our doing good things won't work to make us God's children. The law teaches us that trying to do enough will not get us in on God's family. Because, just flick back the page to 3 verse 10. Turn back the page at the very bottom. This is the problem that we all have. 3 verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. If you do everything right, always, you're fine. But if you fail to keep the law, you've got a problem, which means we've got a problem because there's no way we can keep all of God's commands all the time. And that's how the Jews related to God for centuries until the set time had fully come back to 4-4. And the door of heaven opened and the sun stepped out and took on a human Jewish life, lived under this law. Hey, but guess what Jesus did? He was born under the law and he aced it. I mean, he aced it. On the one hand, he was like every other Jew around. But on the other hand, he was everything they couldn't be. He did everything they failed to do. He kept the law perfectly. Love God perfectly, the law says. The son of God as a Jewish man, he can do that. Don't commit adultery, the law says. The son of God as a Jewish human man, he can do that. Don't lie, the son of God as a Jewish human man, he can do that. You get the picture. We slam the door on our Father, and the law offered this way back by perfect obedience. No one could do it. No one until Jesus came along. Okay, so how does Jesus doing that help us get into God's family? Verse 5 says that he was born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Galatians 
says that we're in prison. If we try to be in God's family on our own steam and moral performance, Galatians says you're in prison. You're a slave. Because no matter how hard we try, we're imprisoned by the cycle of our own failure. Have you ever been in a park where there's a dog and it's tied up and a ball goes by and the dog's like, ball, and gets pulled back because of its lead and sees the ball again, ball, and it runs around and gets pulled back again. Now, you and I may want God's love and approval and so we run and we run and we work and we work and we improve and we improve and we get pulled back by our own failure. And again, we tried this time, God, it's going to be different. I'm going to try, I'm going to improve. And we run and we run and we try and we try and we screw up again and it pulls us right back, our own failure. We're shackled. It's like we're tied up until someone comes along who's not shackled, who's not tied up. A human just like us, a Jew born under the law, but who's never pulled back by his disobedience, never knocked down by failure. Jesus comes along and says, I can take your shackles off. I can redeem you. And here's how. When Jesus died on the cross for us, he suffered the death we deserve for our constant failure to do everything God says. And he gets rid of that curse of death. And something else happened. This full-bodied, human, law-keeping life of Jesus we've been talking about, he gives that to us. He gives that life to us instead of our lives of failure. It's like he gives us new clothes. In fact, that's language that Paul uses. Look at chapter 326. So in Christ Jesus, you are all, here's the family language, children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Jesus stepped out of heaven, joined our human family, did everything we should do but couldn't do. And then he clothes us in his perfect life. He takes us by the hand and says, I will take you into God's family. If you come with me wearing my perfect life instead of yours, you don't have to be on the outside anymore. You know how in action films there often comes a point where there's a locked door and there's like a hand scanner and they have to like find some way to get a legit hand on there so they can get in. They always manage it. It's like we walk up to heaven's door and we place our hand on Jesus' unique human hand and he opens the door of heaven for us. We do not have what it takes to be in God's family. Maybe you look back on 2017 and all your mistakes and all your failures and you feel like an imposter in God's house. You are an imposter by yourself. By yourself you don't belong. But you're not by yourself. You're with the God-man who is so like you and yet so unlike you in every way you need him to be. Perfect for you. You must never picture yourself before the throne of God alone. You never stand alone before God. You always stand there before God with another human being standing in front of you. Jesus, born of a woman, aced it. Born under the law, aced it. And because of him, you're safe. You're welcomed in. Now, some of you will be hearing this for the very first time. You've always thought the Bible said that if you're good enough, 
religious enough, then God would have you in his family. Let me tell you something brilliant. It's not how it goes. It's not how it goes. God knows you could never do enough. You could never be good enough, never be passionate enough about God. You could never undo the damage you've done to your relationship with him. And so he gives you a gift. Grace. The gift is his son. And because of him and what he has done, we can be accepted by God. What we do, what faith is, is putting your hand in Jesus' hand as he walks you into a relationship with God. So how does the Christmas story of God's family end? This is our last thing. Have a look at 5 to 7. We'll see God's call to come right in. Jesus was born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. God opens the door. The son steps out, takes us by the hand, and the final thing is God says, come right in. Come right in. Do you see the family words in these verses? Just look from uh, the end of verse 4. Receive adoption to sonship. Uh, More family words in verse 6. You are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son. And we cry, Abba, Father. You're no longer a slave, but a child. Since you're a child, you're an heir. It's just family language all over the shop. Because Christmas is all about family. And if you've placed your hand in Jesus' hand, you are in God's family. If you're trusting in Jesus, you are in God's family. Well, let's think about what that means. Well, first thing, it means, it means that God calls you son. And you're like, well, that's a little bit weird, especially if I'm a woman. God calls me son. Okay, stick with it for a moment, because Paul's very careful in the words he's choosing. In verse 5, he says, we receive adoption to sonship. Now, in Roman society, you could adopt children like you can in ours. And you might know that the firstborn son of a family in those days is the one who was the heir, who would receive the inheritance. It's a bit like how William is going to inherit the throne and Harry isn't. Right? Firstborn son gets the throne. That's how it goes. And Paul says when you come into God's family with Jesus, you get made like William, not Harry. Okay? That's the kind of status we have with God. You get made firstborn son, inheritor of everything. You get the highest family status you could get. Verse 7, you're not a slave. You're God's child. God has made you an heir. Everything the firstborn son deserves. Throne, the estates, all of it is yours. Let me tell you about a friend of mine called Greg. Now, Greg is adopted in his family. Now, I want you to imagine... If he spent his life always feeling second class in his family. Imagine if as a child, when it came to dinner time, he had his own little table and he sat in the corner because he, he didn't feel like he could be at the dining table with everyone else. Imagine if he never expected his adoptive parents to really wholeheartedly love him because he was adopted. What would his parents say to him? They'd say, son, you've misunderstood. 
You've not understood how adoption works. You're in our family as much as you could really truly be in our family. Don't hide in the corner. Don't hesitate to hug us. Don't ever think we're holding back love from you. You're our child. And God says to you and me today, you are my child. Don't hide in the corner. Don't hesitate to come to me. Don't ever think I'm holding back love from you. Through my son Jesus, you are fully adopted as one of my very own sons and daughters. Being in God's family means he calls you son, daughter, child. And it also means that we can call him father. Again, imagine with my friend Greg, imagine if he kept calling his dad by his name, Alistair, Alistair, and his, his dad would say, what? You, you know you don't need to call me Alistair, call, call me dad. Look at verse 6. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. The Spirit of God's Son is given to us and he calls out in us, with us, Abba, Father. What's that about? I've often wondered, especially why it says Abba, Father. Abba is Aramaic for Father, so Paul's like saying Father, Father. Why does he need to do that? I wonder if it's this. The language Jesus spoke was Aramaic, which means when Jesus spoke to God, the word that was on his lips was Abba. If you had sat and listened to Jesus praying, you'd have heard him call God Abba, Father. And what do we call God by the Spirit? Not just Father. Abba, Father. The very word Jesus uses. This is how totally in God's family we are. We utter on our human lips the same word Jesus would have uttered on his, Abba. We don't have a different term for God that distances us from him. We come, get this, we come with the level of intimacy with the Father that God the Son has. How's that possible? Everything we've talked about. Because God opened the door the son stepped out, took us by the hand, and now he says, come right in. And I really mean come right into my family. Come to the heart of my family. Call me what my son calls me. Abba, Father. I wonder, do you still relate to God like a scared kid relates to a head teacher? Do you still see yourself as a guest in God's household, You're treading on eggshells around him? We're not guests. We're not kids in a classroom. We're full-blown children. See, that Christmas morning, God opened the door for us to be in his family. Now, maybe that you're someone who's on the outside of the house looking in on God's family. You're not a Christian. And perhaps you always thought you had to do something to get in. There's nothing you can do. There's no way you can reach God's standards, but there's something at Christmas he's done. And today, for the very first time, you could walk right into God's family to enjoy a relationship with him forever. But don't try walking in alone. Jesus came and he lived the life you couldn't live. He died the death you deserved as a human. Will you let him bring you to God?
Or maybe you're on the inside, you're a Christian. But being in God's family, things don't seem quite right. You maybe feel a distance from God, not sure you can come close to him, given what you're like. Or you find yourself trying to relate to God, but you're kind of trying to do it on your own steam again. You're trying and you're trying, but you get yanked back again by your repeated failure. And so you're crushed thinking I'm in God's family. Is that a place I can be? Well, perhaps you've forgotten how you got there in the first place, how you got into God's family. Did you open the door to God? No. He opened the door to you at Christmas. Did you step inside alone in the first place? No, Jesus stepped out to you. And by his human handprint, his life, he walked you right into God's family. And that's still our hope today. That's how we join God's family. And every single day till the day we die into eternity... We are in God's family because of what Jesus did, because he stepped out and he lived what you couldn't do. And he gives you his life. So right now we stand before God in this moment with Jesus. And he says, they're with me, they're with me. So this Christmas, I wonder, can you hear God calling you again? You're my son. You're my daughter. And I wonder, can we reply, Father, Abba, Father? Well, let's turn and pray to our Father, shall we? Let's pray. Father, to call you that, help us to feel and see how immense and privileged that is that we don't stand now far off. We don't pray at a distance, throwing out prayers to you, hoping you might hear. But we come right in. Right into your throne room, right into your family. That through Jesus right now, you call us daughters and sons. Thank you so much for that Christmas day, that set day when Jesus came. Without that Christmas day, we would be nowhere. We would be nowhere before you. Thank you that Jesus came for us. Thank you for your love in sending him, your sacrifice in his death for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for embracing the pain and the difficulty of our humanity so that you could take us home to be with you. And we ask that you would deepen our faith, our our hope in you, that we would take hold of your hand as you walk us right in to the family of God. We worship and praise you for these incredible gifts, this grace in Jesus Christ. Amen.